0: Well, it's going to be good to get into the Old Testament and one of the Old Testament books. We've gone through a lot of Paul's letters. And now we're going to get to go through Daniel. The thing I love about the Old Testament is there's a lot of stories and there's really, there's a lot of times really good application. The Old Testament describes the New Testament in many ways. So um, I love how. Whenever I listen to John Corson, if he's going through the New Testament, he always has stories to draw from in the Old Testament. And I love how he gives a balance and how God has stories in the Old Testament that we can kind of relate to in a way and draw application from. So we're, get, we're just going to start, I don't know, we might just do only introduction to Daniel today and not do our normal thing of going verse by verse through each chapter. So if we only get to the introduction today, we'll start in chapter one next week. But the background of Daniel. So the book of Daniel shows that God will take care of his people, right? Despite what earthly kings or rulers may do. And and there's really good application in that for us today even when we have bad leaders or would get overtaken by another country, God will take care of us. So even in our situation today, where if we have what we would think a bad leader or a bad president, whatever whatever our political views are, which should stem from our personal relationship with Jesus, no matter what we go through, no matter what the state does to us in trying to hinder us, we don't need to let it affect us in a godly sense, because as we obey God, God will take care of us. There's two things. We don't need to to fight on the earthly level and the physical earthly realm, and we also don't need to run from it to find a better place. Wherever we're at, God will use us. Wherever we're at, God will use us. And that's a great picture of the book of Daniel because Daniel was sent away to Babylon during the Babylonian captivity. Do you guys know what the Babylonian captivity was? So it was in, let's see, let's get to that in a second. Daniel is a great example because him and his friends got taken away to Babylon after Babylon conquered Jerusalem. And he lived and was used by God through the 70-year period known as the Babylonian captivity. And the book of Daniel kind of goes through the entire 70 years, covering 605 B.C., which we see uh, in verse 1 of chapter 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Okay, so at that point, it's around 605 B.C. And then the book of Daniel covers until 536 B.C. So what is the Babylonian captivity? So God spoke through a few of the prophets, but one of the main ones was Jeremiah the prophet, and he spoke to Israel and Judah that they would be conquered and be led into captivity by the Babylonians because of their straying from God's word and what God had called them to do, mostly because of idolatry and not following God's word and God's law. The leaders had strayed, and God spoke through the prophets to warn them and continually warn them throughout the years and said, basically, I lay this decision before you. You could be destroyed or you can be saved, as it says in the book of Jeremiah. So God warns his people before he brings them into this Babylonian captivity. And let's go to Leviticus 25. So why was it 70 years? Let's go to Leviticus 25. Yeah, so 25 verse 3 says, Six years you shall sow your field, and six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather its fruit. But in the seventh year... There shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall neither sow your field nor prune your vineyard. What grows of its own accord of your harvest, you shall not reap nor gather the grapes of your untended vine. For it is a year of rest for the land, and the Sabbath produce of the land shall be food for you for your male and female servants your hired man and the stranger who dwells with you for your livestock and the beasts that are in your land all its produce shall be for food god had planned for israel to work 6 years and then live off the land of what of what god would provide for the 7th year throughout the whole 7th year It's cool how God tells them to work, but then he says, I'm going to provide for you in that seventh year, and you're basically going to have to do it by faith, right? They were basically going to have to do that by faith, and God would provide for them. That's amazing, but they actually never did it. They never actually lived by faith in that seventh year. They continued to work the land. Uh, Have you guys ever, I remember watching a documentary on the Dust Bowl, back in the day when they would farm the land, they never gave the land rest. They just continuously stirred up that dirt and, and just ruined it and basically created the Dust Bowl because of all their hard labor and just striving to just keep producing and making money, basically. God naturally has made the land to, have, to need a time of rest as we're even thinking about cultivating, if you were a farmer, even now it's good to let the land rest and regather its nutrients. Because if you just keep sucking the nutrients out of it, it just gets dry and gets eaten up, right? But God has uh, a way that he's created the land to work. And so he told Israel, his people, to rest on that seventh year, and it was for them, and it was also to see God's provision for them. So we see that they didn't do that on the seventh year, and then many years later, God decides that he's going to give the land those years of rest, and it would equal to be 70 years of rest. So if you go 70 times seven. Who knows what that is? Does anyone get a map? Yeah, so around that many years, they hadn't obeyed God and given that land its rest. So God decided to do it for them. (laughs) Not only was it that they didn't obey God in the seventh year, but they were caught up in idolatry and worshiping other gods and just not following God's law for their lives. So God decided to Take the people of Israel out of the land to let the land rest. And it was for their good. So here's the thing. I want to go now from Leviticus 25 to Jeremiah 29. And let's read that. Even though God allowed captivity for his people, he still had a plan in it. His plan was not over. Uh, Jeremiah 29 verse 10. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon... So here we go. Here's Jeremiah even prophesying that it's going to happen for 70 years. And was that fulfilled? Yes. You know, the Bible, there is no book or no person or no anything that would even dare to put as many prophecies as there are in the book of of the Bible. Right? And these prophecies have been fulfilled to the exact T that God has said they would, except the ones that are still gonna be fulfilled. And there is no other book that has even tried to do that because they can't do it. The Bible is supernatural and it's breathed by God and God knows the future and God has a plan for the future. No matter what man or rulers may do, God is still gonna carry out his plans. We never need to worry about those around us and what they're doing. Jeremiah 29 verse 10 says, For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. So here God's describing that, yes, they are going to go and be in captivity for 70 years. But God has a good plan for it and in it. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you to the place from which I caused you to be carried away captive. So we see that God had what they thought would be a horrible experience. But God was doing it for their good. And and maybe, maybe you're going through a time in your life where you feel like you're in captivity to something or The things around you aren't working out the way you thought they would, and maybe you think that God has left you, but the truth is, when we look at God's word and how he's worked throughout history and how he's gonna work in your life, is that he's doing it for your good. He's doing it to draw you back to him. He's doing it to tear down your idols, your things that you've held onto. He's doing it to Make your heart what he desires it to be. So in those times of captivity and times of darkness and times where you feel like nothing's going right, it's all for the good. God sees the plan, not only now, but in the future. God sees that in your life. And he works. He will work in it. And could you just imagine if that time was for 70 years? our whole life. <laughs> really. But usually he allows it to happen for a little while. It, it it the bad season always ends. And then there's a time of the fruitful season that happens in your life. I always love the picture of all the seasons in the in the year. You have spring, which everything's flourishing and growing and oh you're just it's amazing, and then you have summer, and that's still amazing and then you have fall where you start to maybe feel like you're dying, <laughs> maybe <laughs> possibly and then you go through winter and it's cold and dark and cloudy, and your tr your tree just is bare and sticky, it's a <laughs> bunch of shrivelled sticks, not pretty, you know not not the tape or honey type of sticky, but the <laughs> twiggy. sticky look. Twiggy look, yeah. With, with no fruit, you just feel shriveled and cold and tired. Tired and cold is probably the worst thing to feel, right? Yeah. Tired, cold, and hungry, those three are the worst things to feel. And I believe it's a picture of the seasons that God takes us through. We don't only see that in our life, but we see it in the earth's life and it's a fallen earth and we're fallen people and the earth is not always flourishing and we're not always flourishing it's a great picture of the fallen world and this life that we have to live before we get to eternity which is the perfect life so don't look for heaven on earth because no matter where you go on earth it's still fallen You're still going to be disappointed, no matter where. It's still going to be disappointing. It's disappointing unless we look to God and look at the eternal things that God wants to do. So he will take us through these seasons of testing and these times of feeling like we're in captivity, whether to other people or to our own sin. But God has a plan. God will have a plan and he will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll always take you through that and he'll always preserve you just as he preserved Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. A-B-E-D-N-E-G-O. N-E-G-O. Sometimes we think Abednego or something, but it's Abednego. So God will preserve you no matter what's around you. If the president was to take all our rights away, we will be blessed as long as we're obeying God. If he was to take everything away, just look at Daniel. Daniel had it rough, and they did not want Daniel to worship the one true God. Daniel still did it, and Daniel got to see mir- the miracles of God working rather than the unmiracle of our flesh working and trying to fight against it, right? If we just obey God and worship God, God's going to do miracles in your life. But if we live to fight for our rights, we're not going to see those miracles. We'll We'll just get caught up in our own fight for life and fight for our rights attitude, and we'll miss what God wants to do. Okay, I can't stress that enough. And this whole book explains it. It's amazing. So we know what the Babylonian captivity is, right? And Daniel was a Hebrew boy who got taken away when Jerusalem got conquered. It was not only him, but it was his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay, so it's cool because the book of Daniel can be divided kind of into two sections. One through six kind of goes through the story of Daniel and his friends living as exiles in a foreign land. The place where they are exiles in, this place... In Babylon does not believe in their God, the one true God. So through pressure to compromise and forget their God, they stand strong in the midst of persecution and they continue to worship the king of kings and God definitely blesses and takes care of them in all of their troubles. We'll see that and we can know that as we read through this we're gonna see that God will do the same for us in our troubles. So here's a few things that we're going to see in verses in chapters one through six. God miraculously providing for Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So we'll see that in chapter one, where they decided not to eat the king's great food when they were in training to be uh, to help the king out. They decided that they wouldn't. They didn't want to defile themselves in God's law. They wanted to obey God and what they knew God had told them to do and in the way they wanted to walk. So they asked that they could only eat vegetables. And I love how they did it. They asked. They didn't demand that, well, I'm, I get to do this, and I'm going to do this. They actually asked with respect, and God blessed them in it. And as they did that, God allowed them to do it. And then the people saw that they were more healthy than the other ones that were eating the great food. So there's there's one of the first miraculous things that God did for them and providing for them. And then we get to see Daniel interpreting Nebuchadnezzar's dreams when no one else could do it. So Daniel is not only a saint and one who walks with God, he's also what is called a seer, where he could see in to the future and he understand the things that were coming. So God had revealed things to Daniel. And then we see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego saved in the fiery furnace because they wouldn't worship and bow down. And then we get to see Daniel interpreting the writing on the wall And then we see Daniel in the lion's den in chapter six. We're going to find what we can learn from this is no matter where we live or what is happening around us, we can please God and be blessed by God. So trust and believe that God is in control right now. Do you believe that he is no matter what your situation is? So government, people, and circumstances don't need to determine what you will do with your life. Because really, whether you're a slave or free, if you are a slave right now, or if you're free right now, you're actually free if you're in Christ. You're free. Whether you're a slave, you're free to be a great slave. That's awesome, right? You don't have to fight to try and escape the slavery. You're free to do what God has for you in that moment and to serve your master, whatever it was to do. So when kings rule over God's people with a heavy hand, you get to see miracles happen. You just look at China right now and what they're trying to do. Did you know that China is trying to rewrite the Bible and they're doing, they're saying some crazy things. I just read this last week that Jesus, when uh, he said, who will cast the first stone, which of you has in whoever has no sin can cast the first stone basically in a sense, right? Well, The Chinese Bible is rewriting that Jesus, when they all went away, Jesus stoned the woman. (laughs) So China's trying to rewrite the Bible, but the amazing thing about what God's doing in China is China's trying to stop Christianity, but China gets to see miracles in the underground church and see God work. Mm -hmm. So we don't ever need to complain that America is taking away our rights. We really don't. We get to... We are free no matter what the world does to us. We have to get that through our head, and Christians don't understand that these days. We live in a world in America that Christian people who aren't reading their Bible, but taking the American dream and putting it into the Bible. We need to be strong in the Word of God so we can know how to actually live and live like Daniel did in the midst of a time where he was ruled and knew God's word. I love later on in Daniel, was it gonna, where is this? Here's another example of when we're in the word of God, God will reveal things to us that the world's not telling us. Chapter nine, verse two, Daniel's reading says, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet. So he's reading in the book of Jeremiah that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments? We have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. So basically, as we're in the Word of God, rather than in what people are telling us the Word of God means, God will reveal things to us, and we will be able to stand strong and not be tossed to and fro by the various doctrines of men and the various doctrines even within the church that aren't biblically accurate. So be in the word of God. Okay, so God's blessing and plan for your life will never be thwarted by men when you obey God. But his plan for your life can be thwarted by ourselves, right? When we're not obeying God. Okay, so that's chapters 1 through 6. And then chapters 7 through 12, the last half, includes visions and prophecies given to Daniel from God. And we'll kind of go through what those visions and prophecy actually mean. What we can learn from this is God is ultimately in charge of everything. He's sovereign. So God is working out a much bigger plan than we can even grasp right now in our lives. He sees the future and is working things out right now that will affect the future. We see the immediate, but he's actually working things throughout the whole earth to bring to pass the things that he already said were going to happen, to even bring to pass the tribulation and how that's going to unfold. He's working in the leaders through in China, in America, in Africa, in Europe, in South America, in Canada, in all these places. He is working in these leaders to accomplish his task. And I love how the Old Testament describes and goes through different kings, right, and their walk. He, he explains good kings and evil kings. And in all those different reigns of different evil and good kings, God accomplished his plan. And it's amazing how you can just walk through the Old Testament and God using bad kings to accomplish his purpose. God even used the ultimate evil one, Satan, in his purpose, to bring Jesus to the cross. Satan thinks he's going to win? Well, actually, God won in that. Satan was defeated in his own trying to destroy what God's, he thought God's plan was. It's awesome. How much more would he do it to a mere man who's just not Satan, right? It's amazing. Oh, God's God's good. So in our current little troubles, God is bigger than our troubles. He's bigger than the world's troubles. He's working. He's orchestrating everything to come together. He's sure and steadfast. I like what uh, the Faith Life Study Bible said. It said about Daniel, living in a culture hostile to Yahweh, Daniel shows that courageous faith in Yahweh, along with personal integrity, and persistent prayer is the way to live. So Daniel, living in a, a country who's hostile to, to his Lord, he had courageous faith and he had personal integrity. And he, no matter when anyone was looking, he sought the Lord and he followed the Lord and was persistent in prayer. And he was blessed in it. And now we're blessed in it. We get to be bl- When you walk in with the Lord, other people will be blessed around you and they'll be encouraged. Like that book on the table, the Billy Graham thing, you know, like he walked to the very end. He kept going, just preached the gospel, didn't have some weird, whoa, I believe in this, and got all weird, right? He just preached the gospel. He was steady and strong throughout his whole walk. He lived for Jesus. And I pray that we could all do the same and not get sidetracked. The great thing about (laughs) Daniel is it's a key to understanding the book of Revelation. So the book of Revelation is hard to understand, right? But it's not when you interpret it through the Bible. And it's not when you understand the book of Daniel. Because in Daniel, there is a timeline that God reveals to Daniel and how it's all going to unfold. And there's many other things in the book of Daniel that are explained. So if you want to understand Revelation, looking at Daniel and understanding Daniel will help you understand the book of Revelation. So God spoke through Daniel to the Gentile and Jewish world about present and future things to come. That's how he used Daniel. He was basically God's mouthpiece as John MacArthur had worded it. So nine of the 12 chapters give revelation of God's plan through dreams and vision. If you look at, there's 12 chapters in Daniel, nine of them, God is giving revelation to the Gentile and Jewish world about what he's going to do. Um, I like what John MacArthur said in his commentary. He said what revelation is to the New Testament prophetically and apocalyptically Daniel is to the Old Testament. So you can kind of get a picture of what we're going to get to go through and see what Daniel is going to be talking about. Critics have tried to explain away the book of Daniel. There was a popular thing back in 300 AD it started that people would say that the book of Daniel was written in 50 AD. Critics even these days, I guess, have taken up that same thing, trying to say that Daniel is so accurate in what it had prophesied that it can't be a prophetic book. It has to be a history book. They say it was written in 50 AD. But if you just look at the evidence, there's no way it could have been written in 50 AD. Daniel is actually in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. So Daniel's in that book. And when was that book written? It was written in 285 BC, hundreds of years before 50 AD. Huh, that doesn't make sense, (laughs) okay. And then even earlier than that, it's recorded in history in 322 BC. So remember, Daniel is at the time of 605 BC. Remember how that works? You start high numbers and then you go down to low numbers. Doesn't that kind of trip you out when you start talking B.C. and A.D. together? It's like, oh, oh, wait. So Daniel was written and not written in 605 B.C., but it starts uh, talking about the time in 605 B.C. But also in 322 B.C., a few hundred years later, the high priest in Jerusalem showed Alexander the Great that he was in the prophecy of Daniel. So Alexander the Great was supposedly really moved by it to where he spared Jerusalem. This is when he was on his conquering quest to conquer things. So the, the priest in Jerusalem read Daniel to, the, to Alexander the Great and he was moved by it and, and let Jerusalem go. He didn't conquer it. Isn't that kind of cool? And that's in secular history. So that's hundreds of years before. 5080. And then another great thing is Jesus quoted from Daniel. And he was before 5080. Hello. <laughs> like people, are you not doing your research? Obviously not. Okay, so I love this and we'll get into this more, but the prophecies in Daniel talk about the Gentile rule over Israel. So Just look at Israel. They've had it rough. Many Gentiles have ruled over Israel. And even still to this day, they have it rough. And even with the Nazis, they had it rough. Just think about this. That was bad, right? What Hitler did, very bad. But do you see what happened after that? How God brought all the Jews from around the world and in different areas back. And then he made Israel a nation again after that. Like it was horrible what happened. But just remember in the context of Daniel and the context of the whole of history and the future that God was working out a plan even in that. Even in his poor people suffering the way they did. And they suffered the same ways in the old testament if you look at their captivities and how they were taken away and so it happened again but in the end it all drew them back to one place and they became a nation again which is really cool really cool and that is even prophesied in the old testament so daniel prophesies about the gentile rule over israel and he includes in here which we'll see through what God has revealed to him, the Babylonian captivity from 605 to 39 B.C., and then the Medo-Persian rule from 539 to 331 B.C., and then the Greek rule from 331 to 146 B.C., and then the Roman rule, which we're really familiar with, from 146 B.C. to 476 A.D., So that was all prophesied in the book of Daniel hundreds of years before it even happened. And the coolest thing that Daniel prophesies about in chapter 9 is basically a time clock that Daniel lays out in what God's going to do, including the tribulation. But he lays out how Jesus, the Messiah, would come. And he, he lays it out to the exact day to the exact day that Jesus actually walked in on Palm Sunday and was the king, right? The the exact day, that's amazing. And we'll go through that more when we get into chapter nine. But there's many prophecies in Daniel and that's why the critics try to explain it away because how could all this be true? It, It would have to be God, no other book can do it. So that's the background and what we're going to get to learn in the book of Daniel. Kind of soak in what Daniel's going to be. And I'm, I'm excited for this because it's going to be so different than Paul's letters and what we were going through. There's going to be, I mean, every kid, church, well, church kid, knows Daniel and the lion's dead at den and the fiery furnace and all these cool things. But we're going to get to make it practical in our lives as adults and how we can live for God and not worry about the people around us. Let me see. I'm going to close with this. I'm going to see. I don't know. I'm going to see if I can find it. This verse in this psalm that I loved so much that I put it in the last song that I wrote, which was a long time ago, and I don't think I have that gift anymore. God does what he wants to do. Oh yeah, Psalm 56, In God I have put my trust, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? So no matter where, no matter what we're going through, we can trust in him and not be afraid because what can man do to us, right? What can they, no matter how evil they are? No matter how evil. You just obey God and what you know he's called you to do and he will take care of it. He also did that for Moses because the people were complaining to Moses and Moses just went to God and prayed and God took care of the people for Moses and it was not pretty. <laughs> he didn't even have to explain himself. He just went to God and God made it known. Wow, that's a good thing I think for all of us. We feel like we need to explain ourselves and we're going through these things but just pray. Go to God and see God work a miracle. Oh, man. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word and just the setting of Daniel and how it is encouraging and it's uplifting, and it is an example as we're going to walk through the book of Daniel verse by verse, chapter by chapter, drawing out from it what you would have, and I just pray that you would open our hearts and minds as we go through this book, and that you would reveal yourself to us, and that um, you would help us in our weakness, that you would be strong in our weakness. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.